Hey, hello. Welcome to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California. Every week we are talking about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here at Creekside, and I am joined by a man who is half human, (laughs) half cyborg, the habit master, my dad. Dad, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's great to be here on the airways with you. (laughs) On the airways. Over the past few episodes, we have spent a lot of time discussing the master habit of the Christian life, which is hearing from Jesus in his word daily. That is the most important habit of the Christian life, because if you establish that habit, you will have the foundation you need to build every other habit that Jesus wants you to build. Conversely, if you don't establish that habit, you simply will not have the power or the perspective or the passion required to walk in the way of Jesus. So we need to hear from God. That's step one. Step two is talking to God, and that brings us to the habit of prayer, which we're going to be talking about more today. But before we do, and I do this every episode, so I'm sorry, but before we jump into that subject, there is one last item that I want to revisit from our previous discussion because I think it's important, and I don't think we ever adequately addressed it. So, Dad, let's talk about Bible study resources. Ah. Uh-huh. And the verse that comes to mind for me <laughs> yes. when it comes to Bible study resources is Ecclesiastes 12.12. My son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the flesh. Making many books, there is no end, and evangelicals would hard, heartily agree with that verse. We love books, and there is this massive evangelical industrial publishing complex that churns out more and more books all the time. Now, we all benefit from this. I am a total bibliophile. I love books, and I love new books. So no complaints over here about new books. But when it comes to Christian books and Bible study resources in particular, you would say there's a danger, wouldn't you? I would. I would. I, I think the danger is that people try to take a shortcut, and they get a commentary about a book of the Bible, and they go by what the human author thinks the Scripture says, and they put that person between them and God, rather than going directly to the Scripture and doing the hard work of figuring out what the Bible says for themselves and really hearing God speak to them through the Scriptures. Hmm. So, and I see that happen a lot. Uh, People are afraid to trust the Spirit of God to really lead them into all truth, as Jesus promised, and think they need some human authority to tell them what the passage really means. That's good. So you'd say one danger is that we are adding a sort of go-between between us and God. Exactly. And then relying on the human author's wisdom in interpreting the Bible, even though that author might have legitimate things to say, instead of going directly to the source. Right, right. I, I think commentaries are something you, you look at after you've done your own work, not before. That's good. It's convicting because we have to study the Bible all the time to prepare sermons, and there is a huge temptation to just 
devour scholarly literature rather than to really grapple with the text right. itself. I, I, my rule of thumb is I need to have a specific reason that I'm going to an outside resource. Mm -hmm. For example, if there's a question that I just cannot answer, I need some extra help on, then I'll, I'll use anything. If there, often it's an issue of, of the culture of that time. Mm -hmm. There'll be a, an expression that's used, or there'll be a, a time of history that I find if I can find some more information about that particular culture or that particular time, it helps me to understand the passage better, then I, I'll go outside and find something more. But I don't just look at, a, at other works just to look at other works because I find they funnel my thinking too much. I begin to, to see the passage through the lens the human author has put over it rather than coming to it fresh and to see what I think God wants to teach me. That is definitely true to my experience of resources and, and study guides. And, and often, well, always, the, the human author has an agenda or a set of questions that they're trying to answer when they come to the text. Right. And so you begin to read through their filter subconsciously, right. even if you don't realize. Right. Uh, yeah, it's subconscious. Yeah. I, I once heard, I think Tim Keller said this, uh, but it's something like if you read one book on a subject, you'll think like the author yeah. about that subject. Yeah. But if you read 100 books on a subject, you'll begin to think like yourself. Right. And, and so that's the danger of relying on one author or one person and then reading all of his or her works on the Bible is you just start to think like that person yeah. for better or for worse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's not a bad thing in the sense that, that you're going to be deceived. No. But you're really losing the joy and the excitement of being taught directly by the Spirit of God. And that's, mm -hmm. That, to me, is the, the real tragedy. Yeah, you lose those aha moments mm -hmm. of, well, I really came to see what the text means. Right. right. And that is just so much more fruitful in the long run than being spoon-fed yeah. the thoughts of another person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what resources are worth investing in? I think, I, I like just kind of, um, like, a, I think a good Bible handbook mm -hmm. that just kind of gives you the background right. and, and the structure of a, of, you know, there, there are a lot of them out there. You probably have some you, you can recommend. Yeah. Um, I think a good Bible dictionary. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like Vine's expository mm -hmm. dictionary of Old and New Testament words. The classic. Yeah, just the classic. You know, I'm just, all my books are old. And <laughs> But I like that. Just be able to look up, well, if, if what the word is love here mm -hmm. in, in the English. Well, mm -hmm. there's a bunch, I know there's a bunch of different words that are used for love. So yeah. maybe it'd be nice to know what, what's the, the emphasis. Yeah. And is it a meaningful difference or not? And is it a meaningful and, difference? And start grappling with that. And, yeah. and different words will have different uh, yeah. emphases. And uh, yeah. that's good. I would say there are commentaries worth reading. But I think it's important to have someone you trust curate those for you, and particularly in the age of the Internet. Um, there is just so much bad Bible study material now. There's just a proliferation of it because there's a proliferation of everything. Yeah. There's great resources, right, like the Bible Project and the work they do at just outlining yeah. Scripture yeah. and how to read books yeah. and doing it visually is fantastic. Their podcast is good. I would recommend what those guys are doing. But it's because they are taking the very best scholarship and digesting it for you right? and, and then bringing it down to a level where the layperson, quote-unquote, can, can understand it. Yeah. 
Another thing I would say when you're evaluating resources, because we want to test and weigh everything as we're reading it, one question that I find very helpful, whether it's a, a pastor or teacher or commentator, when I hear them teach scripture, is my first thought, wow, they know a lot of stuff I don't? Or is it, wow, I really understand the text now? And, oh, that's what it means. Do they make plain the meaning of the text? Yeah, that's good. Because so many Bible teachers I have heard, you hear them and think, well, because I don't know Greek or Hebrew, I could never understand this. And there's like this Gnostic, deep, esoteric, mystical knowledge into the Bible that the teacher has. And I could never access that. Right, right. And that is so dangerous because then you have to rely on this person as your mediator to understand the Bible. Yeah. Versus I think the best teachers and... I think of British preachers because they speak so clearly, like Dick Lucas, John Stott. You hear those guys preach a passage. You think, oh, that's what the passage means. Of course it breaks down that way. This is so clear and helpful. And those guys have the scholarly credentials to throw down with anybody. Yeah, yeah. But they're not flouting that as a reason for, you need to listen to me to understand the Bible. It's, no, look, let's break this down. Let me walk through it. And so whenever you have that sense from a Bible teacher that they have some kind of esoteric meaning that you could never get out of the passage, I would venture to say that meaning's not there. And they're blowing smoke, and they actually have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I hear somebody say, wow, how did I miss that? Mm -hmm. I know I've done a good job. Yes. When I hear somebody say, wow, I never would have seen that. <laughs> I go, oh boy, I must have really and missed And neither did anyone else in church history. I must have missed the boat on this one. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's good. And, and I hope that's an encouragement to you as, as listeners because we can complicate things when they're much more straightforward right. if we rely on all of these intermediaries. Right. So that is good. Now let's talk about prayer. Prayer is talking with God. That sounds sort of simple. I can't think of a Christian I have talked to in the past few years who would say, oh, prayer, I am nailing it in that category. That is the one habit I have down. And I have experienced just how difficult it is to get traction in this. So if prayer is just talking to God, why is it so hard to pray? I, I think when you pray, you come face to face with your flesh. That our flesh, the nature of sin is independence. I want to do it myself. Yeah. I want to do my I want to have my own way. I want to do it in my own energy. I want to take credit for it. And prayer is the denial of all those things. Prayer is saying I need something other than myself. I I I'm willing to submit my will to someone else's. I'm willing to wait for someone else until they're ready to talk to me. And so prayer really requires a depth of self-denial that some of the other spiritual disciplines don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're coming face-to-face with your flesh, and you're coming face-to-face with your creator. Right. Right. And so there is an exposure that happens right. in prayer. Yeah. That, that we start thinking about our own thoughts, thinking about who we are in relation to God. 
And that's a harrowing thing. Yeah. And I think you also come face to face with your faith or lack thereof. Right. Because you're really doing, if God is not listening to us, then we're, it's really a waste of time yeah. to sit here talking into the air. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, there's so many other things I would rather be doing than this. And so unless I really do believe that God hears my prayers and is interested in what I have to say and it's going to make a difference in, in the way things, what happens, then it, it really shows what I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so true because nothing feels more helpless than praying. Yeah. Yeah. That we are talking to God because there are things that can't happen without his intervention. Right. right. And and so it is uh it is crushing to our ego. Yeah. Yeah. In in that sense that I not by my might or power can anything prevail in the world. It right. is only by the power of God. Right. 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 No, prayer is applied helplessness, as somebody said. <laughs> and I, I think that's good. It's just you're, you realize, apart from, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Um, I need his help. I need his wisdom. I need his protection. I need his strength. Uh, I need everything. And, and prayer is the way I access all that he has for me. Yeah. One additional thought to this, and it's transformed the way I look at prayer. When I ask, well, why is prayer so hard? There might be an assumption there that this should be easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I questioned that assumption a few years ago. And I just asked myself, well, maybe prayer is supposed to be hard. Maybe the difficulty of prayer has less to do with me and more to do with the nature of prayer itself. Hmm. And it got me thinking about what Paul says in, in Romans 15, 30, at the end of his letter to the Romans, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That word strive means to fight, to compete, to contend. Agonia is the Greek word, to agonize in prayer. And so there's this idea when we petition God in particular that it is passionate, it is a struggle, and that it has to be persistent. Right, right. And we might get into this more, but the theme of persistence in prayer, that might be the dominant biblical idea of prayer. Right, right. That we go to God, and we plead, and then we plead, and then we plead, and we don't let up until we experience God's presence or get an answer from him. Right. A clear answer. Right. And so whether it's Abraham with Sodom and Gomorrah or Jacob wrestling with God or Job protesting his innocence, uh, David crying out in the Psalms, the Syrophoenician woman contending with Jesus until he heals her daughter, um, the widow in Jesus' parable petitioning the unjust judge, that sense of persistence, that's not an ancillary theme. That is a, that is a dominant theme yeah. in Scripture. Yeah. And often when we talk about prayer, I don't hear that one mentioned as much, that, that there's a sense that God wants to build our faith through this. And if God just immediately said, okay, I'm going to do everything you want, well, then that's not transformative for us. Right. And it's, it's turning God into a kind of genie to fulfill our yeah. wishes. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I, and I've made that mistake too. I, I've, I've kind of used prayer as kind of my feel-good time of the day. And, uh, you know, this is the time that they get rid of the stress. This is the time that I experience God's peace. And, and it's, it's just kind of more of a therapeutic session huh. with God rather than striving, as you say, and, and like Jesus in the garden, sweating like blood yeah. as, as he wrestles with, with the Father about, about the next few hours he's going to experience stuff like right. that. And, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect time in the gym <laughs> to be easy and, and, uh, or else it wouldn't do you any good. And I think, I think looking at prayer more in terms of ac- necessary exercise mm-hmm. is probably a more realistic view. And pressing through. Yeah to see the answer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. Now, there is delight in prayer, and there are a variety of ways we can pray. So I don't want to make it seem like it's all toil. But often, there is a a barrier to press through at the outset. Yeah. Which is why it's so critical that we develop a habit. Right, right. Otherwise, the activation barrier will just seem too high, and and we won't make progress in this area. One other thing, and then we we can move on here. Um solitude is hard anyway. Yeah, yeah. Just practicing solitude is very difficult um, because our thoughts catch up with us once we practice solitude. I think it was Henry Nouwen who said, don't expect peace when you start to practice solitude because there's a horde of monkeys in your brain. (laughs) And the minute you stop the noise, all of them start chattering. And so we expect peace. But actually, what we get at the outset is turmoil because all of our anxieties and our lusts and our resentments and all of these things come rushing to the forefront the minute I'm quiet before God. Yeah, yeah. And often, that's why it's so hard to focus when we're in prayer. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it brings all that stuff to the surface. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's so transformative. Yeah. Because God, we believe, is actually searching us in prayer and putting the spotlight on us and sifting us and, and refining us. Exactly. It's like surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point in the discussion, I'm sure the listeners are saying, well, where do I start? Prayer sounds great. So, uh, yeah, but, but it's important to be realistic in, in what it takes to, to cultivate these habits. So we've talked about the difficulty, and, and there's a necessary, uh, the necessity to the, the struggle right. here, right. and yet there's great reward. Yes. And so how do we... Start. Would you like to start with the rewards and why it's so important to develop it? Is is that the next stage in our yeah, conversation? Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say you've got to be clear about why you're praying. Um, yeah. You can't see this as a religious duty that I need to put a few minutes in on every day and and kind of say my prayers. But, <laughs> but I need to remember why I'm praying. And, and I I just think about it in two ways. Not, number one. Prayer is the primary way I experience the presence of God in my life. It's the way I communicate with him. It's the way I yeah. experience uh, him as a God who is near. Um, and, and, and the other thing is I need God's help. Um, I, the more I understand how much um, I need God's assistance in every area of my life, the more I'm motivated to pray. And so just realizing that if I don't pray today, I deprive myself of the strength and joy of his presence throughout the day, mm-hmm. and I deprive myself of his help in the practical things of life. And the way I've thought about this is that in James 4, James says, you have not because you ask not. Mm-hmm. And what that says to me is there are things you will only have if you ask God for them. Um, and, yeah, God has ordained the arrangement in that way. Exactly. I think a lot of people look at a, a passage like 1 John uh, 
5, uh, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Mm-hmm. And if we know that he hears us, we know the way we've ha- we have the things we've asked. Right. And we, we interpret anything according to his will means anything that God wants me to have. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like there's these, when you pray, there's these two funnels in heaven. And one funnel says, not my will, and the other, the, other, the other funnel says, my will. And so when I happen to pray for something that is God's will for me to have anyway, then he does it. And if I pray for something that is not God's will for me to ask for or to have, then it does. So why pray? Because it's, I'm going to get what's in his will anyway. Right. Well, that's sort of the fatalistic your will be done. Exactly. That you're talking about God's will of decree versus his will of desire. Exactly. That, you know, oh God, I know there are things you're going to do no matter what. Just to let you know, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Amen. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that does not promote prayer. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that praying according to his will means praying in the way he's commanded us to pray. Because, yeah. because when you ask, well, what is God's will? Anything you ask. Whatsoever you shall ask, I will do for you if you pray in this way. The Bible is very concrete about the requirements and conditions for answered prayer right. rather than what you can and can't pray for. The specific things. Yeah. And so I just see God is willing to help me in any area I ask for help in. Yeah. I will not get that help if I don't ask. And so right. that's what really motivates me to pray, because I want God's involvement in every area of my life. But apparently, I have to ask for it. Yeah. And wouldn't you say, though, that there are priorities in prayer? And we'll get to this in the time to come. So there is this glorious sort of whatever about prayer, that we bring all of our requests, all right. of our cares, all of our anxieties, believing that, that God has the capacity to answer all of these things. At the same time, as you read Scripture, you see there's things you shouldn't ask God for because they're against His will of desire. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, there are, um, and, and also, you see that there are emphases in prayer. I mean, if you go through Paul's letters and look at the way he prays, it's pretty clear that there are things Paul is really concerned about in prayer, and there's things that Paul doesn't emphasize as much right. in prayer. Right. Right. And that's why um, I think focusing on who I'm talking to yes. is more important than what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. when, you talk, when you look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he always talked about God, who God is. Yeah, says, the character you, of God. Yeah, the character of God. God is a God who loves to give to his children. Yeah. If, if you are evil and you give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give to those who ask him? So yeah. rather than saying, here are the five important steps to how to pray, Jesus reminded them, here's who you're praying to. Yeah. And, and I find that's the most important thing, that I'm focusing on what God is like, what does God want. I don't really know what to pray for often. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's why I go to the Scripture and usually pray the Scripture a yeah. lot more in the beginning, because I want to make sure I'm asking for the things God wants to do in my life. Yeah, so we can ask for anything in any area of our life, trusting that God will kind of filter on his own, I guess you could say. But how does that relate back to the funnel idea? I guess I'm still a little bit confused on 
you know, not worrying too much about what to pray for, but then you read the Bible and go, oh, well, there are probably better and worse things to pray for. I mean, how do you reconcile those two things? Let me give you, let me tell you a story. Maybe this will, because I don't know if I ever told you this story, but after your, really? after your wedding, yeah. um, the next morning, you know, I, I, um, Jenny and Lori were in the hotel room getting ready for us to drive back to the Bay Area. And so I just went out for a walk around the hotel motel there mm-hmm. and, and uh, I I just began to think about how God had answered so many of my specific prayers for you and just um, uh, it's just that the godly character and the protection and the wife and all these specific things that I had asked God for I've been praying for you since you were you know since you were born yeah those things that I prayed for you were formed more by the scripture than they were by my temporary concern. I didn't pray a whole lot about you being a successful soccer player. That's clear. Are you getting getting straight A's in school? Are you being, you you know, are are you being popular? Anything's like that, which, but I wanted to pray for, what does God want me to pray for? But I prayed specifically for those things. And as, as my prayers were shaped by God's desires in the Scripture, but they were specific prayers that I prayed persistently for all yeah. those years, and then I began to see how generous and good God was mm. and, and what he had done in yeah. your life uh, through those prayers. Does, does, that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, so, it's... That's, so that's what I, how I would answer that. It, but, they, but I don't know if I... I just don't think that if I never had prayed for you, throughout your life. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just think praying for your kids is the most important thing you can do for them, yeah. you know? Um, so, well, thank you. Yeah, so that's that would be... Yeah, and it, it gets back to this point that instead of being so worried about saying the right thing in prayer, as if through some incantation we could <laughs> unlock God's favor. Right. Focus on who God is and trust that as you're in the Word, God will shape you into an effective prayer. Right. But don't let that concern stop you from just pouring out your heart to God and petitioning Him in all areas of your life. Um, Because God has the ability to sort out the things (laughs) that are are, uh, according to His will of desire and what isn't according to that will. Right, right. Yeah, my concern is not praying for the wrong things because I know God will take care of that. Yeah, uh, my prayer is that I pray for the right things. Yeah, and that I that I really get to the important stuff. Or that you pray. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Right is the first step. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. So, the importance of prayer is if you want to experience the presence of God in your life. And just as we experience someone's presence through conversation, I think there is an analogously true thing with God, that, that we won't experience His presence until we're talking to Him. Right. Hearing from Scripture and then talking to Him. Right, right. Um, so that's one, is I want to experience the presence, but two, I want to experience the power of God in my life. Right. That I want to see Him take my efforts and multiply them in the world. Right. And to see things done, that, that would be the second reason to yeah. pray. Yeah, and, and yeah, I agree. There's, there's no two better motivators yeah. than that, that, that I really want to experience the God Scripture tells me about, and I want to experience His power 
Um, right. And have my own faith grow as I see God actually do things in the world. Yeah, yeah. And along with power, direction, mm-hmm. strength, wisdom. Yeah. Um, all, the, all the things we do not have in ourselves right. that we need in order to live as Christ lived. Yep. There, the prayer is the conduit for all those things. Yeah. Or praying in faith. Yeah. Good. So let's spend a few minutes on some tips for making this habit stick in our life. I would, I just have a few. Okay. Uh, one is I believe you need to schedule a specific daily minimum dose of prayer. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Uh, I mean, um, I can always pray more, mm-hmm. but I need to figure out how, what is the minimum amount of time I'm going to spend in prayer? Because our flesh is such, we are so independent that we can, we, we deceive ourselves in thinking, well, I don't, I can spend time with God later. I don't really need God's help right now. I need, I got too much to do to pray right now. And that's probably the time I need to pray the most. And so I find just saying, I am going to spend this amount of time in prayer, and I pro- will always end up spending more than that, but just starting with a minimum amount. I, I think that's good, because the trap would be, well, prayer is talking to God. Well, I can talk to God all the time. Yes. Yes, you can. But that isn't opposed to a more structured time. And you won't develop the pray-without-ceasing kind of life that Paul talks about until you set aside times to actually pray. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that in Jesus' life, we see the exact same thing. There is no better prayer than Jesus. He is in constant conversation with his Father about everything. And yet, what do you see Jesus doing? He gets time away. He gets time away. He sets aside time to pray, even though he's got that continual connection. To right. his father. Yeah, he doesn't set one against the other. No. So, so disciplined, regimented prayer and spontaneous right. prayer uh, are both necessary. But you would say if you're going to build the habit, start with the disciplined, regimented. Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least for me, um, yep. I have to do it that way. I think, second, have an agenda. Um, don't just drift into prayer and say, well, what am I going to pray about? If you had an appointment tomorrow with a billionaire, who said, I'd like to help you out. So could, could you kind of like, I would have a clear agenda of how, of the specific ways that billionaire could help me out. Yeah. And, and, and I wouldn't just kind of show up without even thinking about it. And, oh, I don't know. Uh, and I think the same thing is, is true with God. I, I find it's very helpful to me to have a regular regimen that I go through in praying. Yeah. That is not affected by my circumstances or my mood of the moment. And so I, I like to start with Scripture. I like to pray through a psalm. I like to pray through a proverb. Um, I, I, I uh, have a prayer list that I, I like to write down my prayers because it helps me to concentrate on what I'm praying on a lot more than when I just pray uh, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then I can always go back to those prayers and, yep. and, and use them again because they were, they were, were, were good things. Um, but I think the, the point there is having a plan is really essential for good praying. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it gets back to our internal life and how our, our uh, soul is like a sea. And there are all of these different forces that are kind of 
pushing us around. And unless you have something really directing your prayer life, yeah, I mean, I my mind goes everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I'm really enslaved to my cares and whatever distracting thing that's the, on the front of my mind. Yeah. Particularly for that day, I just... Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I used to spend hours and hours in prayer when the church was younger. And uh, I would go out for long walks and go out for two hours or longer and just pray during that time. And I was very proud of, of the amount of time I was spending in prayer. Yeah, I don't do that every morning. Until I began to analyze what I was actually doing. Hmm. And a lot of my so-called prayer time was more ruminating and yeah. boring and getting angry about things. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was more just, it was more kind of daydreaming than it was real praying, you know. And I'd occasionally I'd say, what do you think, God? And, yeah. Uh, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so for me, focus in prayer is essential. Mm-hmm. It's, it, 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 getting helping me to focus my thoughts is really important. Yeah, and I think in our next episode we should talk more a little bit about how to how to do that because yeah. I've got some additional thoughts, but right. I'll I'll hold them till then. Other other tips for you? One other tip is to focus on faith rather than time spent or the words you use. In other words, it's it is faith that makes our prayers effective. Yeah, and brings them before the throne of God. It's not the words I use. Jesus warns about thinking you will be heard for your many, many words. words, right? Um, so it's not my words. Are it's not the clock. How much time? Well, I prayed for an hour today. I only prayed for five minutes yesterday. So today, my prayers would be a lot more effective. Mm-hmm. I think of the story that where Jesus curses the fig tree. And, and the fig tree wilts immediately. And the following day, as he and his disciples walk by the same fig tree, yeah. uh, Peter perceptively say, says, Master, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Yeah. And, and what's the lesson of the cursed fig tree here? Yeah. Is it how to, how to kill trees with a single word? Or what, <laughs> what is it? And, and Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, it will obey you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, whatever you pray, believe that God has granted to you and it will mm-hmm. be given to you. It seems what Jesus is saying there is that if expecting God to answer right. is commanded of everything we pray. Yeah. And if I can't expect God to answer this prayer, then I better wait to pray it until I can believe that. And I need to backtrack a little bit and say, well, what don't I understand about God and his purpose that makes me hesitant to pray for this thing? Right. So, so really focusing, am I believing, am I expecting God to answer this prayer, I think is, is a really important tip. Yeah, and I think that's different, that kind of expectancy, than demanding that God answer the oh, prayer yeah. in a certain way. Because I've heard that verse used to basically say, well, we should just thank God in advance for what he's going to do in my life. And it's like, well, yeah, we should, but it's not clear that he's going to answer it exactly in the way you think <laughs> or in the timing that you expect or any of these other things. And so that, that, that turns faith into presumption. Yeah, and, and it makes faith something I use to control God. Right. And me trusting in God's faithfulness. Yeah, I am confident that this, that what I want is what you want in this situation. Yeah. So I'm going to pray expecting that you're going to do that. Yeah, exactly. And then you leave it there. Yeah. 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 And if you've got a better plan than I do, which is probably the case, then I pray you'll do that. 
Yeah. But but this is what I'm just being honest. I I I I really want to see you uh, bring my neighbor to yourself or what what yeah. it happens to be. No, that's good. Yeah. Well, those are helpful. Um, I think maybe next time it would be good to talk about the master prayer, <laughs> which is the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how to use that prayer uh, to shape our own prayer lives, because I found that to be very helpful for myself. Um, and then any other thoughts that arise, and I'm sure there will in the next week, we can talk about those. But yeah. it'd be good to devote more time to this, because um, this is an area where such amazing things are promised to those who pray. Right. And yet it's an area where we grapple so much. Um, I just have this overwhelming sense in my life that the Lord's goodness to me is um, is coordinated in some way with the persistent prayer of you and with other people mm-hmm. who have prayed for me for mm-hmm. years, and that goodness and mercy have followed me because other people have petitioned God. Yeah, no, I believe that. And, I believe that. And, and so I just want us to really dig in here. I also think it would be good to talk about the different ways to pray, yeah. um, confession, adoration, right. petition, intercession, all of these things, because yeah. uh, yeah. uh, you need a diet in, in your prayer life as well as we exactly. think about the different ways to, to commune with God and to ask Him for things. So, sound good? Sounds good. I think maybe it'd be good, too, for us to bring any books on prayer that we found especially helpful. <laughs> that seems to completely undercut what we said earlier. But, We're not uh, talking about the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean... We've all, as uh, we've all read books that have made an imprint on us in certain areas. Yeah. Are, do you have any in, in the area of prayer? Yeah. Uh, that, that would be good for us to. Bring yeah, and if you have some, I'm all ears. I'd love okay. to. I'd love to hear about them. Yeah. So, Dad, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, thank you, listeners, for for listening in. And our prayer this week is that you would pray, and that you would devote a little bit of time to this. Um, and and a little is is not a little in the big scheme of things. It is just so critical to your own spiritual health to experience the presence of God and the power of God in your life. So, uh, until next time, be blessed, and uh, we will be back at it soon. 